Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeff Clossy. Hey, Jay. How's it going? It's going great. Hey, does your name ever sound weird to you when you say it? Uh, No. Really? No, it does not. I always, whenever I say my name, it sounds weird to me. Like it, you're saying it wrong or just the way it... Well, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I'm saying... Jay Williams. Jay Williams. Does it sound it just weird sounds when like I say it? weird. It's, it's a little bit like, what's the... um. Oh, shoot. I used to know the word for it. When a word, you hear it so many times that it loses meaning. Mm. It's something, it's some word that I think in Latin is like fatigue, sound fatigue or something. But anyway, the point being that, you know, when you say a word over and over and over again, and all of a sudden it starts to lose its meaning. And I feel that way about my name. It just feels fake. Maybe I'm, it's like imposter syndrome. <laughs> Do you say your name a lot to yourself? Evidently. No, I just, I think it's just so, I don't know. I think Williams is a weird, it's a hard name to say as far as an English. I think it's, I think of all the popular names, like popular last names yes. in the U.S., I think like it's the Clossy. hardest. Yes, it, yeah, it's harder than Clossy. But like Jones, Smith, Johnson, That's those true. are all like hard consonants. It's the L. The L, lots of L's are hard. So Williams. So how can I help you with that problem? I do really think? don't know. Oh, well, let maybe me know. we should just talk about the sermon rather than. Well, I was. About it. It's yeah. the Tuesday. I think we should start dating these based on the the calendar, the church calendar. So this is the podcast being recorded after the third Sunday of Advent, twenty twenty three. Do you think that? Okay, I think that would be helpful. Well, you realize that on their podcast app, it'll say the date. I know. Maybe we could ask Apple to so, change that. Why would you want to take away the? <laughs> you want to take <laughs> away the we date want to so date that it. you can tell them? We want to date it according to the what's happening oh, in the church. So okay, yes, you're right. This I is just, the third Sunday in Advent. Well, I'm Christmas saying that Eve is coming to up. myself because this morning I was feeling like, man, Christmas Eve is this next Sunday already. Like yeah. it just, I don't know what it is about it. It just yeah. feels like we're not quite like we should have one more week yet before that week yeah. before Christmas. But it's really because Christmas is on a Monday. Don't you feel it's like gonna just every come. I mean, I probably do and just forget. But. Well, I think I do. I, I think I really do think it's so attached. It's attached to a couple of things. One is life stage. So I think, you know, when you're a kid, when you're a young child or when you have young children, the buildup is, I think, bigger. Um, And then I think, I don't know. I just have noticed, I have not noticed as many decorations and things out. Like there's just, there's not much indicating, like we have a tree up with lights, but we don't have a lot else. Like there's just nothing. And I think also I could be wrong on this, but I think that um, just like we don't watch regular TV. Mm -hmm. And so there's no, it's just a different era. Like with, it's all on online, like the ads about it, but, those are all so consumeristic. There's no like yeah, it, festive Christmas things. We don't go to out like the department stores where it's all decorated, you know, or anything. Like, yeah, that actually is interesting. I, we don't really do that here, do we? Yeah. yeah. And I, I was thinking this morning too, Christoph and I were thinking back to last year and uh, we, were, we were talking about, we're excited that the um, Faith Youth Christmas party is coming up. But last year, actually it snowed so hard that we had to delay it a week. We had like storming weather yeah. and we just really haven't had that. So I don't know if that's, that's part of too. it too. It's, um, I mean, today's a little chilly, but we just haven't had the normal get your snowblower out kind of weather. No. That might be part of it. But I think you're right. It, it is, uh, 
we are a bit more disconnected sometimes in our normal rhythms. If you're watching TV like we used to watch, right, you're seeing the things that are related to Christmas. But yeah, when we're and all the Christmas or, specials would start airing, yeah, and yeah. we just don't do that anymore because everything's on demand. There's it is. no like, we really have lost. This is a whole other podcast topic, but we've lost so many of our rhythms. Mm-hmm. Like we just because when you can have anything whenever you want it, and when you, um, then then there are no rhythms like when you can we've talked about this before like with electricity and with this has been recent we've even talked about this but these these natural rhythms it's like there are none anymore like you literally you can watch a show whenever you want to watch a show you can work like be with laptops and the internet and everything like that you can literally work on for most people or for a lot of people if you have a if you have a, like a production job or a job, you know, or in the medical field where you actually have to be present, like those, those folks still have that sense of rhythm, but a lot of people can take their work with them and, um, much more easily than they ever were able to before. So you basically can do anything at any time. And then you find that there's not really any of these natural rhythms or breaks and it's not well, healthy. To me, it underscores why like seasons like Advent are important. Yeah. Where we do start to even count Sundays and yeah. think about what we're what we're leading up to. Um I definitely felt that this Sunday, like the Sunday morning worship together with the whole church family yeah. helped situate me again yes. in where we are. And the songs we sang and all of it. Um obviously the sermon was on Advent, but even the the first song, I don't remember the title of what we sang, the title of the one on Sunday, but I know that it was like intentionally slower and I felt that it was actually, the effect it had in me was pretty powerful because I felt like I'm anticipating the next line and I feel like, okay, it's time for the next line and we're just sitting in it. And it it had the effect of me of helping me in that whole worship time to just be in that moment, whatever the moment was. Um, So I really appreciated that actually for the worship team. So if you're listening Whoever was on that last Sunday, it really helped me. Yeah, they don't listen. To situate. <laughs> They're with Leslie. <laughs> they they have a non-listening party with Leslie every week. Every week they doing? get together. We're not listening they to the podcast They get together right and now. like, hey, what, what do you guys do when you get together? We don't listen to the podcast. That's what we do. I like the idea of that. We're going <laughs> to be intentional about getting together and making a stand. We don't listen to the podcast. Um, yeah, so so yeah, this was our third Sunday, and this this Advent we went through some prophecies in Isaiah uh, about the anticipation, um, both how they were waiting for the Messiah, but then also how we also are waiting for the second coming of Christ, and 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 it's one of those great things that you know you see that the different layers of the prophecy, um, and it's one of the great things about Scripture of like it can when people say, well, it's uh, you know, talking about what the truth of scripture is. Well, prophecies are often fulfilled multiple times, like types of them. And so for Isaiah, he is talking about the people of Israel being released from captivity and living like this, but then also about the coming of Christ and then also about the second coming. Now he doesn't know all the layers to all the things he's saying, but God certainly does. And that's what's that's what we've been trying to focus on a little bit. This Advent has been how this is how this is fulfilled in the birth of Christ and then how is this but it's also something we're still waiting for to be fulfilled yeah which i think is is so important because it can be i think tempting or or maybe not tempting it can feel like in order to enter into the season you almost have to close your eyes to the challenges around you 
or the pain that your family is experiencing, whatever it is. And I think that emphasis on the second advent, really, like the second arrival of Christ, when he comes in the fullness of his kingdom and, and once and for all sets all things right, having that in mind, I think, enables us to rest in him in this season, even when things aren't right. You know, like just got an email this morning from someone who just found out another, in just a medical thing. And it's a hard time of year to hear that kind of stuff. It is. Um, but, but the person was confident. This was amazing. They were confident that despite challenging news that was unexpected, that they were going to still have a joyful Christmas in Jesus. And I think that is such a example for us that we can look back and see he came the world is different. We are new creations in him and we can celebrate that and we can still long for his return. And, and that tension, uh, that, that has been the theme, right? That's our, we're in the middle, like the middle time or something yeah. in between time. And, uh, I love that because that's really where we live each day. It's really, we're Advent in real life. Our, it's, it's the real life season. Um, it's been helpful for me. I know to sit in that this month. That's great. Was it helpful to sit in and I saw your facial expressions. Do you, I always look at your facial expressions when I'm preaching. Oh, what did you notice? Uh, I noticed all, you had the whole range of emotions. I did. I feel like, I feel like you, there were definitely some uh, disappointing, <laughs> you know, some disappointed looks. Like what you said. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I know there was a time, mm, I don't know if you were, you were going to say I was sleeping. There was a, there was a, at least a section of, <laughs> of the sermon on Sunday where I felt moved to, my eyes were closed for a while. No, my eyes were closed and I thought you were going to harass me for that. But actually, I was going to say, I felt moved to just pray for us that we would be experiencing the things that you were describing. I don't remember what, if I take out my notes, I can probably tell, but there was something you said and I was thinking, man, if we are going to get this, Holy Spirit, please come upon us and help us to really get this. And, uh, so you didn't take the opportunity to harass me for that. But. Well, no, but you just set it up so well. I mean, that was so yeah. great. You just <laughs> went from, well, you probably, I thought you were going to get it on me for falling asleep. There was one point in the sermon where I wanted to go to sleep was where that felt like that was going. And then it was, oh Lord, help us understand this train wreck. So, <laughs> it was right towards the end. I just found it in my notes. It, you said, you introduced, like you got through the three points and yeah. then you kind of said, now what what might he want to do through us that he has done in us? And I just, it just made me think about our church and all the things that this year he has done through us. But then kind of with anticipation, I felt like, man, we need to be, I need to be in that moment praying as a pastor for our church, that he would be doing mighty works in us, both in our transformation, but then in the world around us as we inhabit it. Right. And, and enter into what he's doing. So yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I'm glad you can see my face. That's good. I'm getting better, but well, if you, if, if sometimes it's so bright, it's hard. To if see. you're on the wings, yeah, it's easier. Uh-huh. I always tell people that I still, I mean, I always let people know if you don't want to be noticed, if you don't want to be seen by the person preaching, sit in the center section about two thirds of the way back. Like you just can't, you can't look back there. It's, it's blinding the wall of light. Yeah. And so you're, you're protected. Like that's the safest place to be. And you're like right by a door. You can still sneak right out. Nobody, nobody will know. And, uh, there's probably some people listening to the podcast right now. I was like, that's don't give away my secret. It's like giving away the best camping spot. Now the spot that people are normally in is going to be taken. Yeah. We'll have to adjust. Yeah. People, everyone will be fighting be for okay. those, for those rows. Like I want to sneak out. Um, yeah, this was, 
I, I think the hardest thing about this um, was trying to get across the point that we, we try all the time uh, that, that how Jesus goes about things is the way we are supposed to go about things. And we just, we're so, we're so bent on wanting to just figure out the plan. And then we want to enact it in the way that we think it should be enacted, which then leads us into all kinds of anxiety and stress as we look around the world, um, around us, you know, when the, when the person we want to be elected doesn't get elected, when, you know, Hollywood makes some movie or when some, something happened, like whatever the thing happens and we get so rattled so easily. And I think if we just, if we could just go back to the, the way of Jesus and, and realize that he's the one bringing all this to pass. Like our job is to just to give me, continue to be faithful and to trust in him rather than our understanding of the how. And I really was trying to, I was trying to drive that home, uh, you know, a little bit of like, stop, stop finding your hope in how you think these things will come to pass. Yeah. That really struck me, especially the second point, by the way, Jay, I noticed this Sunday, you really did. I heard your outline a couple times and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, it was great. Um, trying to let I, people so they can jump off the train and get back on. Yeah, it was, I, I mean, it helped me. So the second point was how will he do it? And that really, you mentioned just the gentle and lowly God Yeah, and that that's how, that's the way that he brings this to pass. Is, isn't it interesting? I mean, I don't know why you've, if you have an answer off the top of your head, but why that's so difficult for us, even though we've heard it, especially if you've been in this church, like you've heard this, right? But we have a really hard time actually assimilating that knowledge um, and seeing what, what the implications can be in our life. At least I feel like we do. I mean, I feel like it's just easy to miss. So we hear God is gentle and lowly the way he brings this about. And then it might be an angry Facebook post or whatever. You just, you can fill in the blank. What's your sense of why, why is that so hard? I mean, I think just frankly, because it's countercultural, it doesn't make sense to us in those ways we are of the world. So when John says that the world did not receive him because he was not from them, like he, he's not of the world. So the world doesn't receive him. And we have to realize that we are in this tension in this already not yet where there's a part of us, like the spirit dwells in us. And so there is the part of us that, that hears that and wants that. But then there's the part of us that is still fighting. Like we're still fighting against the old nature. And we have to realize that our old nature, the way of the world makes sense to our old nature. Right. So, so then if we don't confront that and if we don't look at that and say, well, okay, I think I think I'm I'm wanting it to look like this, but I don't I think that's of the flesh. In a very similar way that we would do in, in with other behaviors. Like most Christians who are following Jesus, if someone makes you really angry or if someone cuts you off in traffic and you have a flickering moment of like I want to speed up and, and catch them and like Hopefully, if you're following Jesus, there would be a voice in, you know, that you would hear that you'd be like, that's not, I know that's not what I'm supposed to do. You know, like if you have the inclination to punch somebody in the face, you know, because you're mad at them, hopefully that's a thought that you would confront and you would dismiss because you'd say, okay, that's, I don't know where that's coming from, but that is not of Christ. 
but we don't have that same level of discernment, I think, when it comes to how we see him bringing justice. So we hear words like justice, and in our minds, we just think of all the things in our culture. Justice means um, retribution. It means like getting your pound of flesh. It means payback, vengeance. Like making the other people feel the pain you feel or something. Right. Right. So yeah, it's this, I want, it's just payback. And, and God says vengeance is mine. Right. So he's not saying that it's this weird thing where we know justice is good and justice is going to be brought But then the question is, do I trust God in the way he says he's going to go about bringing that justice? Am I willing to wait on him to do it? Do I believe that he is good and he is holy? Or do I want to fast forward that? You see it in, I mean, obviously on social media, but you see it in the way that we love, like, you know, it's, there's a reason why movies where vengeance takes place is so, they're so popular. Like, it is in, it's just ingrained in our culture. We want to see the bad guy get it. The problem is that scripture says we're the bad guy, right? And so God is saying like, yeah, well, evil will will get its due. Like God's wrath will burn against, um, and you know, all that is evil. And everything that any of us have done, we've said this before and we say it a lot that, Every wrong will be made right, either on the cross or in hell. That this, those are the options. Like justice has come and is coming. God is not, but he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So he, like one of the things I think is so amazing about this is that no one, God's justice is so full and so pure that everyone for all eternity will look, there will be no question that what happened was just. And if you, if you think that you can grasp that fully and understand exactly, Oh, well I could see how that would work. It'd be like, you know, then like, you're probably not getting it. Like there's just no way for us to understand because we don't have, we don't have any examples really where something so evil has happened that, that we feel satisfied in our justice. Like you, the only thing that we can satisfy justice is on really small things. So our, our justice system, we've mentioned this before, our justice system can handle really small things, right? If I, if I steal your phone, justice could, I could get, you know, I could get caught. I could have to pay retribution I could get you a new phone. I could give you back your your phone. I could make it right where you would say justice has been served. Like he he got caught, goes on his record. I got my stuff back. It's it's good. But you get too far beyond something like petty theft, or a you know a word said you know a a, a word said in anger that you you know repent and ask for forgiveness from a good friend or whatever, like you get too far beyond that. And our ability to exact true justice goes out the window. It's not capable. Like you think about, you know, assault or murder or, um, so many, so many things, broken homes, broken marriages, broken, like parenting you, there's no justice that we can exact that would make people like think about it, Cause true justice means total satisfaction. 
Like right. that it never, it doesn't really, it never weighs on your mind ever again. Like you never, you never, and anything that when people have been wronged on earth, even if they feel like, well, I think justice has been served when people say that it still weighs on their mind. It does. And there's always the things that happened around the thing that they think they need justice for. Right. So the, the, the untold yes. parts of the stories that, that there was also justice was lacking in, in as well. And yeah, I like that point, Jay, that, that really comprehension though, like even though it's revealed to us in the scriptures that God will set it right, he will take care of it, exactly what that looks like, we, we, we can't comprehend that. I really don't think because we'd have to then fully comprehend all of the evil which we don't. I mean, even in ourselves, that's a process for us throughout our life as we realize more and more as we grow in Jesus, how much our heart is in need of full renovation, right? And that's a process we go through. So even if we do that with ourselves, like we grow in our knowledge of our own brokenness, then try to, like you just described, the more complicated situations in the world, how could we possibly do that on behalf of someone else? in a way that would actually lead to satisfying justice where, where it's all met. We just can't, it's not possible. No, it's not. And I, I think, I mean, we have the parallel in the old Testament, God promises to deliver the people of Israel, to deliver them out of darkness, to deliver them out of captivity. And so in hindsight, we look back at these prophecies and we're like, man, he's clearly talking about Jesus. But I remember thinking, well, why didn't God just tell them, hey, this is what's going to happen? And then you realize, well, because they wouldn't have believed him. It wouldn't have made sense. How in the world could people have understood if God had like said through one of the prophets, I'm going to become flesh and I'm going to walk among you and I'm going to, you know, and if they had, like if he had done that, they that one they they wouldn't have believed it they wouldn't have understood it they would have turned it into something else they probably would have lifted up all kinds of false messiahs they were already you know looking to do that it would have been even worse if they would have said hey he's going to be born in bethlehem literally everybody ever born in bethlehem that at any like they would just be yep. they'd constantly you know be lifting up false gods and so we're just not capable i think in a similar way we would do that with justice now and we do do that with justice, you know, like, so, so when, when God is promising a Messiah and then people are wondering and looking like, you know, is he here, is he there? Well, we're doing it with the second coming. We're doing it with justice where we, I think if God laid out exactly how the second coming was going to take place, we would, we wouldn't recognize it any better. We would just probably go down other rabbit trails and open ourselves to all kinds of, you know, debauchery or debauchery, either one of them, both of them, uh, we would, it'd be terrible, right? Like it we wouldn't would. understand. We would not be able to comprehend. It's the same way. And even with, the, with the positive things, like when Jesus talks about preparing a place, he just says, like, I go to prepare a place. And you, and that's when he says, I'm the way, like, you, you know, the way that I'm going. And they say like, what, how do we know? We don't know where you're going. How do we know? Like I, I'm the way. And so the, the answer has always been, abide in Christ. It's not figure out where Christ is going and then go meet up with him. It's not get your marching orders from Jesus and then go, you know, take care of them with like your own self autonomy and the way that you think makes sense. It's trusting him 
in each moment in each like in, in the way that he's saying this I'm going to bring about justice and this is what I'm asking you to do so if you care about justice if you care about the return of Christ if you care about any of these things well then then do like do what he says but that's easier said than done at least for me like it's hard it is and I think it it part of the reason it's hard for us is that our aim uh, even when we don't realize it is often independence, right? Like self, you just fill in the blank, self-competence, the ability to control our world. And his aim is always more and more dependence, right? More and more trust, learning that that's what we were made for. That's as a creature, that's what we are always dependent upon him, our good shepherd and certainty about the way things will go wouldn't lead to that, right? It would lead to confusion. And, but instead, we're, we're, I think our, we're meant to keep our hearts soft and our hands open with what we think will happen and how it will happen. And it's, I mean, it's an amazing thing. It can be such a contentious topic, unfortunately, because there are some who think they do know exactly how it will go, right? Yeah. And, and they, they've made quite the name for themselves. And Jesus doesn't seem to be exalted in that. The person does. So I, I mean, he does tell us he's coming. And he does give us some some idea of of what to expect, but it's not in like you said in the specifics because we would make a mess of that. We would. Um, he knows that, and he wants us to live in independence upon him. Right, and I that we've talked about that before of when people say, "Well, why is the Bible not more clear?" Well, if the Bible was, if the point was that we just live in a certain way, that was. And it could be apart from God, but it's just like, hey, be a good person. And it would be written, it, and it was written with clear instructions so that we could know that we would have no need for God. But the the aim of Scripture is not primarily that we would live in a certain way. It's that we would live with God, that we would be with God, which then produces living in a certain way. And and like, But the aim is abiding in Him. And so why would God reveal himself in a way that creates an environment where we don't need him. So if everything's spelled out very clearly, if everything is just like, well, yeah, do these things, do these 10 things in the way that you define them. And, and as long as you can make a defense for you obeying these things, then you're good. Well, then that's all it would be, but that's not the point. And and I think that is what's hard because if we care about the things and, and this is where I like wonder, I think there's a lot of people in the culture that we're in who want to abide in Christ and want to follow him as the way, but because of other voices in the culture and unfortunately other voices in the church, they feel like they're compromising God's word by being gentle. Like I've definitely heard from people even in our church where you can tell they want they want to be gentle. They want to be humble in this. They want to love their neighbor who's struggling with certain things or their neighbor who's outside of the church. And their their instinct is actually compassion, but they're afraid that they're maybe compromising the truth by doing that. And I think part of what we have to do is just remind people that, no, no, no that is following Jesus. And I think you see that like with Nicodemus, that tension, you know, mm-hmm. that there are definitely Pharisees who what Jesus was saying was resonating with them and they heard it and they understood it and they 
wanted it, but they were very also very much in this immersed in this culture that was telling them that no, he's he's wrong. And so you feel like you get caught in this. The, the devil is so good at this, but you get caught where you feel like to obey Jesus is to compromise truth. And that's like, think about how twisted that is. It is. And, and we have to be careful of that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the word of God. And so everything needs to be through that filter. And we can't just separate that. And so, yeah, I think you're you're right. Like dependency is such a good word of like, yeah, why would God do it this way? Well, because we this is the way that we grow dependency on him. Well, and I love the the passage you read about, I think it was 1 Peter 3.15. Yeah. Was that it? Like the always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you. And then he says, do it like Jesus. And he says, yet yeah, do it with gentleness and respect. And I, it is, it is interesting how there's a character that, that we've kind of, uh, that's come upon us. It's like, we picked it up like a piece of lint. Right. And it feels like to do that, to give a reason for the hope within us is combative and it needs to be telling people how they're wrong and whatever you just fill in the blank rather than the way that's described in that verse with gentleness and respect where it doesn't mean the person's necessarily going to like accept the reason you give. That's not what I'm saying, but um, it should not feel like you are personally attacking them as you do it and should feel like you feel it with them, that this is difficult and I understand why they're asking and, and whatever. And yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was just thinking like he says in verse 16 of that, so he says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So the the picture is Peter is saying, listen, this is not like you. He's talking about suffering for righteousness sake. He's talking about the church who is suffering, even though they're living righteous lives. They're actually suffering because they're living these righteous lives. And so he says, don't be afraid of people who do that to you. Don't even be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So he's saying like, so when they say like, well, why are you so hopeful? Have the reason, do it with gentleness and respect like you just pointed out. And he said, having a good conscience. So in other words, like be, be at peace with that. You don't need to, you don't need to give a defense of the of the faith of this hope that is in you that is somehow intellectually just bulletproof you don't have to give it in a way that is argumentative you don't have to do it in a way you don't need to bring shame on anybody you can have a good conscience with that um and and then he's saying the reason like when you're slandered when you are slandered those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame so like we want to be in a situation where the criticism, I, I, whenever I hear that, I always think, man, how amazing would it be to receive criticism that we are too gentle, hmm. they were too compassionate, that were too like, oh, those, like I remember for a long time, you know, there was this criticism of like, oh, the church is like, they're just a bunch of doormats. Like they just, and I'm, I remember thinking, well, what do you mean by that? Like, yeah, there is, there's a weakness that would also be unchristlike. There is a type of weakness, but I think we're so bent in our culture to think that any, anything where we just let 
like we just say, God will, God will deal with that. I'm at peace that we see that as weakness. And then we see that as a, as a sinful weakness. Right. And we're looking for justification to, to bring our own sense of justice and to be vindicated in our own eyes. And that's what we're bent towards. And so anything that looks the opposite, like what, am I supposed to just let them get away with that? No, you're supposed to say, God is not going to let them get away with that and to trust him in that. Otherwise, like what you're saying when you say that, like, well, am I supposed to just be a doormat and let them get away with this? What you're saying is God does that. Like, that's what you're implying. You're implying that if you don't do something, like God's clearly not going to do anything. So if you don't do something, then that person's getting away with it. What an odd thing to say, right? Like what a weird. And so the hope that Peter's talking about is the hope that all this will be made right. I don't have to lose sleep over this because God is going to bring justice God is going to, he will, he's my defense. He's, he will vindicate me. He, and, and I don't, and I can rest easy with that. And the reason we wouldn't, if we're honest is because like I just said, we, we end up, what we end up declaring is God's asleep at the wheel. I have to deal with this on behalf of God. Yeah. That, that actually is pretty convicting. Isn't it like to think about that? Like, cause we all have moments of that. If you apply that sort of, am I doing something because I don't, if I don't do it, I don't believe God's going to do it. And you can apply that filter to a lot of different areas of, of where we are called to be faithful. This actually makes me think I'm, I'm reading a book right now and it, it's talking about, um, life in this world, like life in the Christian colony. And, and as we walk together under Jesus. And one of the things that I just read was that Christian ethics is not primarily the main task is not just knowing the right thing to do and knowing the wrong thing not to do that like the rules basically that's not the main task that the authors talk about the main task being to see the world as it actually is to see reality for what it really is and what you just described jay like try to capture that in a rule you couldn't like the 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 point where we start to say if i don't take care of this god's not going to take care of it so i need to for him He's not going to do anything. Not, right. Like think that, what rule is that? Like you, how do you codify that for every possible circumstance? Instead, we're meant to see the world as it actually is, which means to see who God is and to see who we are under him and to then see what our role needs to be under him, right? As subjects in a kingdom, not, not as the king of the kingdom. Right. And the, and the balance to that, I guess, the, the other side that I think is also the, the tension we live in is that God does give us responsibilities. So there are things that we are called to do. So simply, I am responsible to make sure my children have food. Well, that all comes from God. It's God giving provision. But if I just like left an empty refrigerator and an empty cupboard and just said, well, God will feed you. That would be shirking my responsibility. If I, if I walked out here in the office and we saw someone harassing Leslie, we would have a sense of responsibility to stand in front and, and to do something about that as Christ would do something about that. But we are placed in that. And if we just said, well, God, you know, watch Leslie get, harassed and just say, well, God, God will bring vengeance. Like we don't need to, that's, that's then using scripture to then justify my own cowardice really. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that people want to push back on. And ultimately though, the, the 
the way you know that is to listen to the spirit and to understand, like you said, see the world as it is. So if my, if my desire is to bring complete justice, and so now I like become judge, jury, and executioner, you know, of a situation, well, now, now that's really more about me and more about like me wanting, that's when you start saying, okay, well, I know God isn't going to do this, but, um, but the other way of, of saying like, no, I'm responsible. Like, you know, the good Samaritan is a really good example. Jesus tells that parable. Also the parable of the talents. Like he tells plenty of parables that say, yes, you have a role. Yes, you have something to do. This is what you do. And so the guy that comes upon, you know, the, the good Samaritan that comes upon the man who's beaten up and in the ditch, he doesn't, he sees his responsible his responsibility is to love the person that is in front of him sacrificially. And so he does that, even though he doesn't know him, even though that man probably wouldn't accept or want to accept the help from him, he gives it. He doesn't go, we don't see like part two is he then chases down the robbers, you know, and beats them mercilessly in, in the name of the Lord. That You just don't see that. You see him loving his neighbor. And so I do think like if if your bent is, oh, and, and this is the classic argument, um, or you always know that a logical fallacy is coming when someone starts with, Oh, so you're saying, cause that's always like, that's always followed by some gross misrepresentation of whatever you said. I think we've all been on the receiving end of that. Oh, so I guess you're saying that we should just, you know, whatever. And if that's your bent, then I would just say like, well, then I don't know that you're really listening to the spirit. Like, don't be so worried about what, what other people are saying and be worried about what the Holy spirit is saying. And and trust him in that. Like if he, he will give you the parts that we, we are given so much instruction and we see it so much in the early church of who are we responsible for? What are we responsible to do? How are we responsible to do it? There is actually a lot of really incredible instruction that guides us in that. But at the end of the day, it's trust in Christ, abide in Christ, live out the life of Christ. Like it's, yeah. Well, and, to me, it's the focus, and you mentioned that. So, is the focus on him, on so <clears throat> serving him, or serving myself? You know, loving him and those he loves, or dealing with things that annoy me. And that that contrast can be so tricky because it can happen so quickly. This the shift, and we might be doing something that that could be good, but in a bad way, like for a bad reason. Um, and that's where, like you said, the only way to, to remain faithful to him in those moments is to remain connected in, with him, abiding in him alongside other people who, who we let in, you know what I mean? And they know what we're up to and what we're thinking. And we share that. And that's where as brothers and sisters, we help each other. We can get each other back on the right track. We can bring correction. We can bring encouragement. Like, yeah, go help that person. That person needs help. They, they need a defense. Go help them. Right. But um, how it's just so easy, I think, to be focused, to make the focus again, myself, us, um, defending ourselves, our rights or whatever they are, whatever the thing is that we're, that we're worked up about. Yeah. And I think we sometimes feel like, I don't know, I, I often, when I look at the brokenness of the world, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough. And I think there's two reasons I could be feeling that. One is I might actually not be doing enough. I may, God may be calling me to do something about, you know, 
something that I maybe am slow to want to do something about, or I'm, I'm scared of, um, you know, the time investment or the energy investment or the money investment or anything like that. And so that's one real possibility. And another real possibility is that I'm not being asked to do anything about that. And I need to trust that God is, is moving in his people. There are times that we have like big ministry asks here. Like there are times where we have like a, something that we are needing to ask somebody to, to help us with or to do something with. And sometimes when I, often when I make a big ask like that, I tell the person that I'm asking, I, I believe that God has put this on our church as a responsibility, but we only need one person to commit to doing this, which means that if I ask 10 people, nine of them are being faithful to say no. Right. And so, so it's just this constant tension that some of us are prone to take everything on as our own responsibility. But then that leads us into thinking that we are Jesus, that we have to take care of everything. We have to meet every need. We have to like, well, we're not Jesus. You're called to be faithful to what he's called to be faithful. And then the other ditch is when we don't care about anything because we just have a diffusion of responsibility and we just say, well, somebody else will do it. And the reality is, we are given opportunities that in the parable of the good Samaritan, the good Samaritan is the one, like there are probably other people, there were other people that walked by, but there are other people in other parts of the you know community in some other town that are not responsible to take care of that person. They didn't need 300 people to take care of him. They needed one person to do that. And you think about the parable of the talents, like each person wasn't held accountable for, well, you also should have taken those 10 talents and you should have invested them and you should have figured out a way like, no, you take responsibility for what you've been given responsibility for. And, and then like, so living in that tension, I guess, as, as you know, and, and there's a whole other part of this man that we don't really have time to get into, but I think that does connect then to the whole bringing justice. And we have this we have all kinds of ways that we can get off of the road that Christ has us in, that the reality that God is bringing justice, he will, like we talked about, he will bring justice in a way that is satisfying. But then there's tensions of like, well, then what do we do when we see injustice in the world? Do we just ignore it and say, God, God will bring it at some point. Do we, do we jump in and participate in it and make it, you know, there's a, there's a ditch where we end up making the bringing of justice, the, the kingdom, right? And so we stop proclaiming the gospel. We just proclaim justice. Like, I, I don't know if you have any encouragement for people who look around and they say, okay, well then what do I, what do I do? Do I not care about who wins the election then? Do I not care about how, like any political policies or social policies? Is it like, do I just say, well, you know, to each his own and God will sort it out. I'm just going to go on and live my life. Like, well, what, there what definitely, that definitely is one way people have responded, right? Like oh, yeah. there are, there are whole like segments of the larger church where they have just chosen non-participation yep. in those things. And that's not really, that's not the position we hold. So we are, we are, I think part of the call our call is to be faithful in our participation. But even I chose the word faithful there again on purpose because faithfulness is about God. It's about him and, and remaining faithful to him. So I think one of the things we do is we just don't do it alone. So we involve people in our life who we know are people of the word, people who are full of the spirit and, and people who share 
concern for the world. But I think we, we also just, we have to be on guard for substituting some human end for something that God is bringing in a different way. So basically, we have to refuse to substitute God bringing his kingdom, substituting that for some human kingdom or some political end that we have in mind. That this is, a, in God's view, this is a long, long game in mind. And, and it's not a game, but I mean, like, there's a long view. So I think that's one of the things we have to be really careful of. Is at, there are, we have been duped, I think, into thinking that sometimes a certain aim or a certain goal is the way we bring about God's kingdom on this earth. And we don't bring God's kingdom on this earth. He does that. And so I think keeping that straight in our minds can really help as we enter into a season, right? This next year will be a a political season again. And the way we do that and the way we even disagree with each other is going to matter. It matters here in our church family, but then it matters in our communities. It matters in Peshtigo and in Marinette and Menominee. How we do that matters. Now we might not all reach the same conclusions. And I think that's, that's important that we can just hold that intention that faithful followers of Jesus can come to different conclusions about what it looks like to be faithful to him. But we do know like what, like kind of going all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, Jay, that the way we do that will be in the ways of Jesus. If we're going to be faithful to him, which means it's not going to be not in his ways ways of retribution or anger or bitterness or slander that's not part of his kingdom right that's not part of his economy so the way we do it will really matter so i guess that i'm saying look at the ways that you want to achieve it do it with other people who are you know brothers and sisters in jesus and be open to the one who might disagree with you and really hearing them out i think that's one of the ways we do that yeah so good and and I think it's important that we don't we don't overcomplicate things. I mean, it really what I love so much about the parable of of the good Samaritan is it's it's actually so simple. Like it's just if you see someone beaten up in the ditch, like take care of them. It, if if God puts you in a place, know that nothing's ever an accident. You aren't anywhere ever by accident there's never going to be any time where you're put in a situation and God's like, Oh, I would, it wasn't even expecting you to be here. So like, no, he's always putting you places. And so I think with a good conscience, you can say, be faithful to Christ in every moment and every environment. Like, and like you said, you know, faithful to Christ means we are his, we are an extension of his body. And so we, we're called to, be in ministry the way Christ was and it should look like Christ and, and then have sleep well. Like, cause I think the biggest thing that we struggle with is, well, but if I do that then, and then we start to try to take responsibility for the results of what happens. And that's not like, like any soldier knows, well, if I do that, like they know it's part of a bigger picture, right? Like sometimes that it's not, the whole battle is not meant to be won, you know, by the way that you just spoke to the cashier. So you don't know what God is doing with the person behind you or the person that they're going to talk to next. Like your role is to be faithful to Christ. And so, um, I, I think I just encouraging people to prioritize the way of Jesus, to be bold and courageous in, 
in presenting that way, like in, in living that way out so that people would see us and, and see that there's something different. And then we can tell them what our God is like and we show them through our actions. And so whether, you know, when you're on social media, the goal is not to shame another person. The goal is not to win an argument. The goal is to just like, you know, be Christ-like. Right, like if you if you're at your job, your goal is not to bring justice. You know, like your your aim, your goal is not to bring justice. And so, like you try to manipulate things so that this person, like this person, gets promoted, and this person, like no, it's just be be faithful. Um, you know, whether it's that or parenting or wherever you are, like whatever you're in, just be faithful to Christ. And the way we know what faithfulness looks like, to your point, is just to abide in Him, to be listening to His voice, to be reading His Word. So that we learn like, okay, this is just like you would if you were apprenticing under anybody else. Like if you if you were apprenticed as a plumber, you don't need to have the master plumber show you every detail of everything. You learn, you well, you work alongside them so for so long that you just kind of have an instinct of, oh, I know how you'd handle this. I know where you would look first. I know what you, like you're, all these things. You just, you learn from, and so... Jesus says, learn from me. Like I, this is, follow me, learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Like I'm gentle and lowly in heart. We just need to believe him when he tells us who he is and what he's doing, believe him. And we obviously want to help you do that. Um, this is a, we're, we're, we just are continually striving to be God's family on mission. We have not arrived at all by any stretch and we never will, but we continue to pursue that. And so we want to help you in that. Nobody's meant to do this alone. So please reach out and let us help you get connected with people. Um, be with us uh, you know, on worship on Sunday. Come to an area lunch. Let us like connect with you and hear your story. Uh, we, wanna, we, just, we just want to do this life together. So you can always email us at connect at faithpestigo.com. Or like I said, talk to us on a Sunday morning. Hope that this Christmas season is is restful and peaceful for you, but also one where we are anticipating not only remembering Christ's coming, but also anticipating his return. So until next time, grace and peace.